How was that? Ah, new. New. It's fine. How's the internal state? Does it change anything in terms of awareness or anything like that internally? I think there's some post-nasal drainage. Yeah. A little bit of eye watering. But as far as, like you said before, the mental state, no. Okay. Yeah. Beautiful. Would you like some water? Uh, no, I'm okay. Okay. Well, let me know. I have a lot of water. Okay. okay. Sweet. All right. Fantastic. So I'm really excited to have you here today. Salute. Did I say it right properly? Yep. Uh, I met Sulu at our meditation retreat, mm-hmm. and he just ex- exudes such a powerful, confident presence. And I was really moved, even more so, by the way he makes people feel about themselves. So after every interaction that he would have with people, people just light up, get more energized. So I can't wait to really engage and dive in deeper into this conversation. Do you mind telling people a little bit about what is it that you do, what makes you who you are, just so that people have some relatedness to who you are? Maybe yeah. a couple minutes of this, and then we can dive deeper. I think I'll take that water. <laughs> <laughs> I'll sip some of that water. Sure. Thank you, brother. Yeah, it's warm too, huh? Mm. Thank you. I'll leave you here. Okay, so, you know, I kind of went into it a little bit earlier where I talked a little bit about being brought into this world. You know, we're brought into this world and we're cared for by a parent, two parents, or some guardian. And that individual is seeking our best interest. But I believe that at some point, it's our job to break away and actually question those values that we've been taught so that we can kind of come to our own conclusion. I don't think we necessarily have to get rid of those values that we're taught, but I think it's okay to question them because not everything we're taught is right. I was born in Sierra Leone, West Africa. Mm. And in my country, we eat a lot of beef, we eat chicken, we eat stews, and there's an oil that we use that's very rich in cholesterol. It's called palm oil. Mm. But I've grown to understand and learn that in certain individuals, myself being one of them, like meat and chicken isn't something that I really want in my life, mm. you know? In addition, that palm oil isn't something that I really want in my life. Mm. So I think it was hard for my mother to kind of accept that in the beginning, you know? It's like, you grew up on this stuff. I've been giving you this all your life. You haven't gotten sick, you've been healthy. Mm. It's made you who you are. Mm. And although there may be some truth in that, like I said, I'm questioning that, mm. you know? New information is, is discovered, things are learned, and the way you grow is not necessarily the way that you should continue to grow. Mm-hmm. So that's my belief system right now, especially after the retreat that we met on, you know, the enlightenment, uh, the growth, you know, the questioning, the finding out what is all of this, you know. I was having a talk last night with uh, a couple of new tenants that I have in my place. And I was t- explaining to them about how kind of finding out what my 
you know what my caveat is some people it's the environment we all know leonardo dicaprio he's big on the environment right global warming and these things that's his that's that's his thing thing, right so my thing i feel like is the mind and depression i have family members who suffer from depression Mm. you know that sadness of feeling like there's nothing else left in life Mm. and luckily i've been fortunate enough to not get to that level Mm. i've had my hardships for sure Mm. you know what i mean they come and they go i've had probably in some in some cases i feel like i've had more hardships than many, mm. <laughs> you know, mm. than the majority. Mm. Uh, but still, I have this element of faith, mm. you know, and I think that's my whole thing to impart this idea and this notion that you'll get through it. Mm. Hang in there, be strong. You'll get through it. Mm. So that's 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 my thing right now. That's really my thing. That's really where my heart lies. That's beautiful. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. So my purpose in life. Mm-hmm simply said is to elevate human consciousness also alleviate suffering so part of my thing right now I'm actively meditating on and then taking action for is really explore the question of what is this cause for human suffering the Buddha said um, Gautama the Buddha mm-hmm. his philosophy is life is suffering and suffering comes from attachment attachment of craving for something that you want but you don't have yet (laughs) or uh, this uh, aversion to something that you don't want that you have right now Uh, so basically not what you anything but this reality uh, this is this is not it this other thing that I want or what I don't want is it right and that causes suffering and I could see I could see how that could cause suffering I don't mean to cut you off but I could totally see you know, I could totally see how because, I mean, even now, my ideal situation would be in 25, 220, Walker Road, Hidden Hills, mm-hmm. right? I'd love to live out there. But where do I live now? East L.A. Yeah. Now, someone else can look at my situation and say, yeah, you live in East L.A., but you got a house. Mm-hmm. You got a three-bedroom, two-and-a-half-bath house. You're able to leverage that house mm-hmm. and live for very little as far as rent is concerned. Sure. So there is that notion, and I've actually had somebody ask me, a very close loved one asked me once, are you ever happy? Mm-hmm. And I thought about that question, and I, I quickly answered, yeah, I'm happy. But I think the question came from the fact that I'm always seeking, 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 seeking. And I think a lot of us are. Mm-hmm. And I'm beginning to shy away from that. It's like, why can't we be comfortable with what we have now? Mm-hmm. Why do we spin our wheels? And I also have this notion of a high-paid slave. Yeah, I have a nursing degree, and I have a nursing background. But I'm not any better than somebody who's a certified nursing assistant, which is like bottom of the healthcare rung. They're the ones who empty the urinals. Yeah, they're the bottom of the healthcare rung. They're the ones who empty the urinals. They're the ones who empty the bedpans after patients have pooped. Mm -hmm. I'm no better than them. Mm -hmm. And neither is a doctor any better than me because they're making 100, 200K a year. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, man, we're all high-paid slaves. Mm -hmm. We all are working for the material the house we're all working for the car some of us and this is a good thing we're working for you know uh, the preservation of our children and building them up and that's all great but i think we've got to be careful not to follow the mold of go to school get a degree you graduate with a ton of debt mm-hmm. buy that house some more debt mm-hmm. well i've had this car through college maybe even high school i need a new car it's more debt mm-hmm. now what are we 
high-paid slaves. Mm-hmm. And chasing that carrot. It's always something Chasing that better. carrot, yeah. Big, bigger, yeah. better carrot. Always. Bigger and better carrot. And I think that what I love about you and what you do is that you're a businessman. You're your own boss. That's the most respected thing anybody can do. Because you're working off of autonomy. When you feel like getting up, you get up. Ten chances to one, you're probably working ten times harder than someone who's brainlessly going and clocking in and working for 10 hours or 12 hours or eight. You have a lot more autonomy, but with that autonomy comes responsibility. And that's what a lot of people, I think, fail to realize, too. You know, some people, I think, look at people who don't fit the traditional mold of wake up in the morning, go to work Monday through Friday, have the weekends off, take vacations periodically. If you don't fall into that mold, sometimes people look at you and they think, oh, you're just, you're just a bum. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you, know, you, you don't have any structure. Mm-hmm. And what's to say? Like, who's to say what's right or wrong in that aspect, you know? Yeah, I actually explored that question for myself. Right. I think what we're discussing right now is sovereignty. Mm-hmm. Sovereignty of our, of our mind, but also sovereignty of our circumstances. And I think my philosophy right now is yeah, to me, it's easier to chase sovereignty of our circumstances by having more, you know, bigger paycheck, etc. Now, that's important, don't get me wrong. We, re- we live in this realm, right? So, we do need to pay for, you know, rent or know bills right, or whatever. But, but, more important question to me is this internal freedom of not be bound by this hardship. And I actually want to come back to what you were saying earlier. Some people are beat down by their circumstances, but some people transcend. You as an example, from your hardship, as you yep. said, right? You rise above of your hardship and you come out more positive, mm. more confident. Yes. You know, you have more sovereignty to yours, have that faith to yourself, but also the world. Hence why I'm so curious and wanted to know, how did you do that? Because not everyone is like you. Right? It's easy to do the woe is me. Right. Know, life happened to me. I'm a victim of the system, this and that. And it's okay, but it's more rare to see people who rise above extreme hardship and then still positive, still wanting to make a difference and still striving to learn more and be curious and actually, you know, based on your way of being, making other people feel better anytime mm-hmm. you interact with a human being. That is the thing that was so admire about you. Right. How did you do that? There needs to be an element of vulnerability to do that. Okay, so it's- because it's uncomfortable when you approach a complete stranger sometimes. You could be facing rejection. They could kind of shy away from you. They could turn their back to you. But you have to come with an element of vulnerability like, here I am. I'm not here to be too forceful. Um, I'm just here to listen and learn, you know, because I do believe that there's something to be learned from each individual. Because there's no way I'm going to experience what CK's experienced. You've experienced some stuff in life that I don't know about. During the retreat, I spoke with one of the gentlemen there, and he told me that he was actually born in jail. Born in in jail. jail. Both of his parents were heroin addicts. Wow. They got busted. They got thrown in jail. His mother was pregnant with him at the time. Wow. And that's where he's born. He didn't let that stop him, though. Mm. He rose to become a fireman, mm. and now he's a businessman. Mm. Did firefighting for 20 years, and now he's running his own business. Mm. I think what I have, or what I received, I should say, mainly, primarily from my mother, 
Mm. I, come from, I come from a background where my father was actually Muslim. Mm. My mother was actually Christian. Oh, no kidding. What an interesting right. combination. Now, what's interesting, too, is the fact that my father didn't make the time or didn't feel the need to take us to the mosque. You probably have an Islamic Muslim man sitting in front of you right now. Well, my mother took the time and insisted, get up. We got to go to church, you guys. Get up. You guys are still sleeping. Wake up. I got you guys' clothes ready. You guys showered. So that, going to church, I saw how she dealt with the hardships of life. Mm. You know, when my father left at 15, mm. I saw what she did. She kneeled down and she cried to God and prayed. That was her way out. That was her form of meditation. That was her form of enlightenment. That was her form of hope. So when my hardships would come, from the time I would say, from the, let's just say from the time my father left, around 15, lack of structure caused disharmony in the home, disharmony within myself. So obviously there was a lot of trouble there. Going through college, there's difficulties. And even now I'm facing difficulties. But I just know the word of God, for example, says this too shall pass. Mm-hmm. I'm not forever going to be struggling financially. I'm not forever going to be struggling, you know, uh, uh, and having to go and work for someone to build their dream. Because essentially that's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Every time we go clock in someplace, we're building somebody else's dream. So the major element that I have, to sum it up, the major element I have is the element of faith. The element of hope, the element of man, I know, like, if I can just get through today, if I can just get through this week, this month, this year, it's going to be better for me. You know, it's going to be better for me. And sometimes when I'm, I use the word counseling someone else, or when I'm in somebody else's presence and I hear their story, I just try to offer a little bit of encouragement, mm-hmm. a little bit of like, I see you. Like, I know what you're going through. I get it. You know, one thing that drew me to you at the retreat was when you talked about, you know, your wife, when you talked about um, certain qualities that you have that I saw in myself that I also know I have. And I thought, I get him. It's just the I getting part. I think that we need to try to get. I get a little bit of what the Islamic faith is about and I respect it. I get it. And I wish some of that was incorporated into the uh, Christian faith. I also get what the Christian faith is talking about. I also get Taoism. I also get Buddhism. I get a little bit of each one and I, I get it. And I think in order for us to coexist and be happy, we have to get it. We have to get a little bit of what that other person has and just try to understand, try to have a commonality. In acting terms, they have this thing called a commonality of pain and I think I might have kind of touched on it a bit when you and I were talking in the kitchen. Yeah, I guess you Share, share with, the, with the audience. Right. So a commonality of pain is what the audience sees between two characters in film mm-hmm. that makes people fall in love. You know, it can be an agape sort of love. It doesn't have to be an intimate sort of sexual thing. Uh, like, I got a lot, 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 lot of love for you, man, CK. Likewise. Really. Got a lot of love for you. Good dude. You know, love, love this whole thing. Love what you're doing. Love that you're showing, um, you're being altruistic. You're independent. You're going for something. Look, the universe has a way of opening doors for people who go for something. Mm. You know, if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything, right? Mm. You stand for something. You stand for your beliefs. I respect that. 
I res- wholeheartedly, man, like respect and love all day. Like I respect that a lot, you know. Um, you. Yeah, so the commonality thing just has a lot to do with the reason why uh, certain audiences fall in love with actors or two people fall in love with each other is this commonality of pain. Seeing the person's pain, the anguish, and saying, I see you, I get it, we're here in this moment together. Mm. Yeah. I see you, like I get it, you know? Somebody comes to me with an issue, like issue dealing with marriage, for like I get it. It's tough, mm. it's tough. Very beneficial, but it requires work. So, my mental model is this. Mm-hmm. In our mind, there's the higher self, mm-hmm. and then there's the ego, <laughs> right? The ego is, this is a very overly simplistic model, but this is my model, right? The ego is animal instincts, the ego is fear and anger, the ego is, you know, being selfish, right? It requires no effort to do any of those things. Right. Right. Zero effort. Because it's a reaction. It's, it's inherited mm-hmm. from parents, culture, or even just the animal, you know, evolution, right? That right. instinct. The higher self is choose to do the right thing. Whatever that right thing is for you, but that right thing, right? That you, in the inner knowing of this is the right thing to do, out in, inside of integrity. So, it's a huge ramp up to this question. It's easy to say, I see that person suffering in pain, but I'm dealing with my own stuff. I'll wait until I handle my stuff. Before I help. Before I help or reach a hand. And, and so I'm curious to know your path, your evolution, was it always this effortless to, to be that friend, to be that first one and say, you got this? No. No, I don't think it's always been a really effortless thing. No, I don't think so. I think that um, in doing that, though, it's almost a form of distraction. In doing what? In reaching out to someone else Mm -hmm. and giving them the time of day. Mm -hmm. It's a form of distraction. It takes you off of what you're doing or what your concern is. Right. To say, you know what, let me see what this person's doing. And in doing that, at times... Sometimes you just reach out to someone and you don't necessarily know that anything's wrong. You reach out and over time, the bond gets stronger, the, the trust is more developed and the person opens up and tells you something and you think, wow. Wow, maybe my situation's not that bad. Mm-hmm. Wow. You know, at the retreat, we had someone who had been shot. Mm-hmm. I've never been shot. Come close. <laughs> but never actually been shot. Mm-hmm. I've had knives pulled on me, never actually been stabbed. Mm, wow. So this trauma has happened to a different individual and I think, wow, thank God. And so it allows me to just kind of go, okay, well, okay, I guess my situation's not that bad. Right. You know? You know, and, and it's not necessarily compare and contrast but on some level it kind of is you know it's that learning more than anything from someone else and their story that things could be worse Mm. you know things could be worse Mm. 
Yeah. So how did you cultivate that, you know, that in- impetus, that desire, that impulse to reach out and be that guy and say, you got this? I think there needs to be that curiosity. One thing that my acting teachers have told me is that the two things an actor needs is curiosity mm-hmm. and empathy. You got to be able to empathize with somebody else with, with what they're going through. Which you won't be able to empathize if, you don't, if you're not even curious to know what they're going through, if you're not even curious to ask. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to be able to ask. You know, it's so easy. It's so easy to just keep to yourself. Easy. You know, to make your money mm-hmm. and just spend your money on yourself only. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but I think the fruits of life are in sharing. The fruits of life are in that curiosity. You know, like I was curious to know what you did because you two exuberate like a nice, healthy confidence. You're well-spoken. Your carriage of body, it's very dignified. And that's attracting, you know, it's a very attracting quality. And I thought, wow, what does CK know that I could learn? Mm. But that stemmed from curiosity. Mm. And then the humility part, or the um, curiosity and uh, 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 empathy, the empathy part came from when you told your story and I thought, I can relate to that. I can empathize with that. Yeah, I know what he's going through. So those are the two things, I think, curiosity and empathy. Really wanted to know, how's this other person doing? Genuinely. And then, uh, you know, being able to empathize. And empathy doesn't necessarily have to be something that's sad and, and, and uh, you know, like droopy or anything. I think empathy can also be humor, you know? Mm-hmm. When you guys can find something you guys can both kind of laugh about. Right. <laughs> you know, I think that's, that, that's a form of empathy. You know, empathy, we can look at it as a spectrum. Mm. Over here is complete. You're weeping with somebody who's had a loss, who's at a burial. And over here, it's, you know, you guys are laughing together at a comedy club about something that you guys both find hilarious. You know, I think it's, it can be anywhere on that spectrum. Or even now, maybe you and I in this moment are somewhere in the middle mm. where we might go a little bit on the emotional side. I tend to be pretty easy with my emotion. Yeah. Um, and then also, you know, we'll, we'll have a smile even or maybe even a laugh. Mm. So I think with the empathy, it's just on a spectrum. You know, it can just go anywhere. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. I do have follow-up questions, but let's do a little happy. Yeah? Yeah. Okay, cool. Down for that. All right. It's like hearing is sharper. The birds, these women talking, somebody hammering in the distance. You know? All right, coming back. How was that? <laughs> it's good. It's good. Scale one to ten, ten being most challenging, difficult, painful. It's probably a eight. Yeah. Yeah, because it's new. Yeah. You know, I think some things when you have them for the first time and they're new, you don't even know it until yeah. later on. Yeah. I think with happy, it's pretty immediate. Yeah. I took it like a champ. I remember the first time I took it. I was like, why wouldn't anyone want to do this? This is torture. <laughs> terrible. And then at what point did you feel like there's a change? Uh, no, it's still challenging. But I realized I want to lean into adversity. And this is a way for me to practice. I don't want to wait until adversity comes to me. 
I bring myself to adversity. So I meditate with it mm. regularly. Mm. I want to explore emotions a little bit more. As an actor, you are pretty masterful at empathizing as well as accessing emotions in your life, right? So the way I kind of articulate this is like any musicians as an example. First, you play chopsticks very mechanically. Mm -hmm. Then as you get better, you're able to understand the nuance of the tone, how light you want to hit that key, and then it becomes a, a way to express yourself through mm. that. So similarly, I would imagine, mm -hmm. this is my mental model, I don't know if this is right, in the beginning it's, it's easy to overact, overreact. Oh yes. <laughs> and then, but in the end, you hit it just right, and where people go like, ooh, I get it. So it's not, no longer, it's, it's more about subtleties. Exactly, in the nuances. The nuance, right? It's and interesting it, you bring that up. The emotion is very complex. Yep. So, so I love to. Obviously, I'm not a, I'm a, not an actor, but I'm curious to know how do you navigate your emotions, your path to that, and more importantly, how do you let that rich palette of colors, rich palette of emotions, enhance your life? The first studio I trained at in LA was Ivana Chubbuck's studio. And the very first thing she looks at is an overall objective. In life, and I think I brought this up to you a little bit during the retreat too, I think that some people are just in search of love. You know, um, <clears throat> in whatever form, maybe they lack the love from their parent or maybe they got all the love from the parent that they needed, and now it's more of a companionship that they're seeking. On the other side, some people just want power. That comes in the form of respect, right? So that's one thing I was taught. It's the love and the power. And then from there, there's a scene objective. In each specific scene, in a film, in a play, there's a specific scene objective. One thing that tends to work for me when I think of love and the seeking of that love is using, for example, my father, you know? Being that my father left when I was 15, I think there are many days, I just picture myself kind of looking out of the window, off into the distance, just in search of like, when's my dad gonna come back? I think with each child, it's like, they think, is there something I could have done? Is there something I can do? A lot of cases, there's really nothing you can do. But that's one thing that I learned at that studio. It's, this, it's, the, it's the overall objective, the scene objective. And then it's looking for specifics. They will say the, the, the details. It's the details that make a great actor. With each word, with each line, with each monologue. And then with also with listening. Someone can explain something to you and it will strike a chord within you and that will evoke some kind of emotion. Likewise, as you're speaking, you can be picturing what you're saying and that will evoke an emotion, you know? I think for me, when I think about like my son, for example, and I being in his life 
what that would mean to him. For him not to be able to look up in a stand, for example, if he's on a football field and see his dad clapping for him, cheering him on, I think that'd be really painful. So a lot of times in my imagination, I'll, I'll picture those sorts of things. You know, I'll picture him being at school, for example, and it being like a parent-teacher conference, and him being there with only his mom. Mothers are very powerful, women are very powerful. There's a sufficiency there, but there's nothing like having both people there to have your back. As a child, I think, having your mom and having your dad there for you. So my, my, my source of uh, what I can use for abandonment is my father, the fact that he wasn't there. I remember the day I graduated from college. Right now, I'm, and I can feel myself, one thing that I try to do is speak from the heart during our morning talks. He always said, get out of your... No, just in general. During our morning talks at the retreat, mm. we were told to speak from the heart. Mm. Because when we try to intellectualize things too much, mm. it's tough. Because everybody's mind is different, but the heart is something that's a stronger commonality in people. It's a stronger thread between two individuals. That's what I know for a fact. So when I speak from the heart, I think that's when the emotion comes. But as an artist, you have to know your dialogue so well that you're not concerned with the dialogue, that you're more concerned with the intention. The intention, the intention, the intention. They always say, what's your intention? And the big overall scene objective, your intention, what you want. To prove to me, to prove that you love me. You know, I think about my dad and I'm like, if you love me, how come you didn't make it, make the effort to come to my high school graduation, for example? Or how come you didn't make the effort to come to my college graduation? I remember the day I graduated from college, man, I cried the whole day. I was crying, crying. My mother just kept saying, stop crying, stop crying. It's okay, you've done it. But those tears were coming from the fact that there's an emptiness there. This victory that I had, I wanted, to, I wanted my father to be there, to clap for me and say, hey, good job. You know, and he wasn't. And that was tough. And during the retreat, I had moments where <clears throat> I had empathy for him. Your father? My father, because it's a two-way street. I had empathy for him, and I'm sure he has moments where he has some regret, and he thinks, Man, I wish I'd have done this differently, or I would have done that differently. And I had visions of him maybe laying on his, his deathbed, getting ready to take his last few breaths, you know, and not knowing why no one was there for him, you know. And I thought to myself, an element of forgiveness came over me, and I thought, I need to forgive and be there for him at that moment in time. Yeah. And I thought, because if I'm not there for him, based on a lack of forgiveness, how can I expect my children to be there for me? You know, how can I expect them to forget and be there for me? This little girl is so cute. How old is she? Like a year she's, and a half. Oh, no, she's actually two. She's two? Hi. She's tiny, too. How are you? <laughs> Say hi. What's your name? Nene. <laughs> yeah. No, no, not Nene. Nene? She likes to call her, she talks about her horse. Oh. No. oh, she has a horse? You guys no. have a horse? She has an imaginary horse. one. Right on. <laughs> a little horse ball. Oh. <laughs> Jordan, what's your name? Can you say your name? Jordan. <laughs> it's Jordan. Oh. Bless you guys. Thank you. Yeah. 
It's a lot of imagination. Some of it's using your real stuff, and some of it's an as if. And as if, what if? And trying to go, trying to really use your imagination, like what if I was laying in my deathbed and the doctor told me, or what if I just only had one breath left? And I imagined taking like quarter breaths, trying to not let that last one out without seeing my children there for me to hold my hand to usher me into the next life. <laughs> and that was like, so that's where all the emotion came during the retreat that's where all of that emotion was coming from it was that imagination it was that but because what, what, what's interesting is I found since the retreat I found it a lot tougher for me to get to that emotion mm. hasn't been hasn't quite been a week it's been four days mm-hmm. we left on a Sunday so Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday today's Thursday I found it more difficult I am part of it's because there's been so much healing done and so much forgiveness mm-hmm. and also a reevaluation on my part as to what I need to do to make sure that you know I, I make things right. Mm-hmm. So it's like a double-edged sword. You know, you can keep all your pain and use that. Because mm-hmm. a lot of artists, some of us are some of the most troubled people, mm-hmm. some of the most damaged people. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that. But then if you heal that, if you resolve that, it's like, okay, where do you turn to now for for lack of a better term, inspiration. Mm-hmm. So where do you go for that? Mm-hmm. You know. So on that note, this is actually what's fascinating to me because part of my insights coming from the retreat was there's a line between self-indulgent and mm-hmm. basically letting emotions use me mm-hmm. versus use the emotion, mm-hmm. right? Emotions like the waves right. in the ocean. I can ride the wave. It's very, very powerful. But if I don't resolve my own trauma, whatever, and then, and then now the emotions are using me, and that's where suffering is coming from. Mm-hmm. I've, I've, you know, you've seen people who were there, they were angry, rightfully so, mm-hmm. but then leaning more into more anger. Right. And that's the process they needed to do to transcend it. I understand that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you don't want to indulge in that. Anger Absolutely. and sadness and trauma and all these other things. I mean, because going back to the very beginning that what we talked about, that's where suffering comes from. Absolutely. So how do you, as an artist, but also as a human being, I'm curious to know, now that you have this rich palette of emotions, you can recall certain things, you can access it. How do you let that rich palette of emotions enhance your life, outside of acting, enhance your life? I think to be able to show someone who I don't know, humanism. Humanism. That Say more all, about that, please. Yeah, that, that we're, we're all in this together. Look, we're all born into this life, and for the next hundred years, and for the past hundred years, we're going to be in this together. You know, um, we're in this, if you look at our grandparents, they did their hundred years, plus or minus 30 years, 30, 40 years. Depending obviously on ailments and diseases and everything else. And then for the next hundred years, like we're gonna be in this together. So it's that showing that humanism, that um how do I say this? Like we're all here right now. So whatever you're feeling, whatever's ailing you, whatever's troubling you, it's the same thing that's ailing and troubling me. Mm-hmm. How can I be happy if you're not happy? How can I be happy knowing that right now there's someone who woke up this morning? We're going on to what? What is it about? Three? 
about three o'clock. We're going on to three o'clock. Someone hasn't had a single bite of food to eat today. Someone out there hasn't had a single bite of food and they're suffering. So how do I continue to go on in my life being happy, knowing that they're suffering? And then how can I change that? How do I change that narrative? So the first, so one of the phrases that really hit me during the retreat was, oftentimes, I, I'm summarizing this. Mm -hmm. Paraphrasing, yeah. Yeah, paraphrasing. It's more grief is caused by answered prayers than unanswered prayers, right? <laughs> so I really, that was really beautifully said because, right, most people live in this world, myself included, hey, this is not it. If I have this other thing, then that must be it. Then I'll be happy. But mm -hmm. once you get your answers, your prayers answer, you got that thing, then you realize like, okay, still didn't feel any better. Right. The money, the accolades, the, the girlfriend, the wife, whatever, whatever it may be, you're kind of the same, right? You're right. like, holy shit, this is not it. Uh, then you're more lost and you're like, oh my God, this, you know, all this, this whole narrative I've been told is incorrect. This is not the recipe for happiness. No. Right? So I'm kind of going around about in, in answering this. So that person who hasn't had food, obviously, there is pain there, mm -hmm. right? He, need, he wants to be fed. Right. But the suffering comes from, I could have been fed, I should have done this way, you know, my life would have, wouldn't have ended up here, and that's the suffering part. Right. So I wanted to kind of unpack those a little bit. So in changing the narrative, I believe is a lot more powerful than just giving people answer their prayers, per se. Right. So then, how do you right, empower people to change their narrative? Okay. So, a couple things came to mind just now. One of them being, it's not necessarily what we acquire. Our goals, the house, the Tesla, right. the Rolls Royce. It's actually in who you become. Mm. It's in who you become. I've read this in books. I've read Orison Sweet Mardin, Napoleon Hill, Stephen R. Covey. It's not in exactly what you have at the end of it all. It's who you become at the end of it all. Mm. It's in the intangible. Not the tangible things you can see and touch and smell and fly. Right? The planes, the helicopters, the cars. It's in... Because you can lose all that. Mm -hmm. But if you have that developed on the inside which you've developed through getting that in the first place mm. you'll get it again that's how I've also heard said that if you take all the money in the world evenly distribute the money those people that were poor once they'll be poor again because mm -hmm. you gave them something that they didn't earn mm -hmm. you gave them something that there was no blood no sweat no tears in getting mm -hmm. so those people who are used to striving and struggling and stressing to get what they want they're going to get it back so that's answering that one. And I think your other question was how, uh, what was it uh, in changing the narrative? Yeah, because I've seen you done, and, and by the way, I'm, I'm focusing on this question because I've seen you done it during the retreat over and over again. Right. In a very, perhaps not as deep as the process we went through, but you help people reinforce that, that, that ideal self by being that friend, like, you got this, yeah. right? No I think worries, specifically it was when Sam was playing his instrument and he might have screwed up on one 
that's a very poignant moment that I remember right. always. But there's many other like tiny moments that I've seen that witness. Right. And I was like, wow, how does this guy do it? <laughs> I want to be able to do that. That's amazing. Right. Right. And you know, some some of it I think is, as you mentioned earlier with art, you said acting in the beginning is really tough. You get to a point where you, I think you learn to let go, and that's when the acting becomes good because there's nuance. I think I'm the same way because I've been doing it for so long because I've been around What's people it? who it, it helping I guess being around people who are struggling mm. being around people who, who are shedding tears mm. you know uh, one of my favorite artists Tupac he has a song and he says in that song if you can make it through the night there's a brighter day mm. everything will be alright if you hold on mm. it's a struggle every day you gotta roll on mm. you know and that just says like the struggle is gonna be there but because I've seen so many people struggle, I've seen so much hardship, not just myself, but in others, and had to lift them up. And I think it starts at a young age, man, primarily family. I was there when my mom was, you know, crying and begging God, like, and asking God why. I was there when she'd rush out of the home to go work to make money because she's got three small kids at home that she has to feed and a mortgage that she has to pay. And I was her source of strength on a lot of levels. Because I know even now, she says, oh, your brothers and sisters, they're not like you. No, they're not like you. Your brothers and sisters, they're not like you. And I'm like, I always tell her, mom, they're not going to be like me. Everyone's different. Mm-hmm. I think the quality that she's emphasizing is the fact that I'm always there to show kindness, you know, mm-hmm. if anything. Now, I'm, I'm human, man. If I, I, I've got issues with anger. I do. And that's my vice. Mm-hmm. And that's, those are emotions I hope, I hope don't overtake me. And, and, and I'm still working to overcome every day. You know, so tactically, how do you do it for you? Tactically, how do I do it? The overcoming yeah. of the anger? Yeah, the disciplines that you have, the tactical things that you practice. Oh man! How do you actually temper your humanness, the anger specifically that you're talking about? Practice. Yeah, just anything you meant you notice or like practice, how do you practice, practice, making it, making a, an active effort. You know, like a conscious decision to say, you know. There's this, but I'm just gonna try to let it, you know, and part of it too, like CK right now, the fact of the matter is I rent rooms out in my home mm-hmm. and I'm living with different people. Sometimes I do Airbnb mm-hmm. because the long-term stay has gotten to be uh, a little tedious and I need my time alone and I'll do Airbnb where the stays are a little shorter. Mm-hmm. Um, and in doing that, I learn acceptance, acceptance of other people. You know, I can't change people. I've got a couple now, boyfriend and girlfriend couple now. They smoke a lot of weed. Mm. I don't smoke weed like that. <laughs> they do, and that's fine. And so there's tolerance there. There's acceptance there. Um, and there's a freedom there, too. Not Say more about to, the freedom. Well, not having to worry about the fact that they didn't wash their cup. The fact that, oh, well, there's a bunch of crumbs on the counter and there's going to be ants now. Just wipe this shit up mm. and let it go. One thing that was said to me at the treat was when something comes at you, to not accept it, to say, uh, or if you wrong someone, for example, to say, I'm sorry, please forgive me, I love you, thank you, thank you. Mm. And you just let upon it go. Upon 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 yeah. Yeah. Because otherwise, we're hanging on to all this baggage. This person did this to me, and I'm going to get them back. 
And that's where I think the sickness lies in carrying around all that. Because I know what it feels like when you don't get along with someone or you don't like someone. And they walk in the room and that feeling of like your heart sinks into your stomach and it's like, oh, fight or flight. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a central nervous system thing. It's a biochemical thing where it's like, oh, and I don't want to live like that. Mm-hmm. I don't want that in my life, that feeling of discomfort. If I feel it, the other person could. The other person may or may not feel it. But I can only control myself and how I feel. So the only way I can avoid that is by making sure that whatever that other person does doesn't affect me. Mm-hmm. It's a practice with anything. It's, it's a practice. You know, I train. I go to the gym. Mm-hmm. It's a practice. It takes a lot of self-discipline. I don't always want to go. Today was the first day I went since coming back from the retreat. But I made myself. I moved some things around. My priority was... Getting here for this to this uh, podcast was very important to me. You're very welcome. Very, very welcome. That was important to me. I made that a priority. And I made just going off to the gym for a moment a priority. Over making a couple appointments to make some money. Which is okay. Which is totally fine with me. Um, but it's a choice. And it's all choices. And I'm realizing that it's a choice. I have a choice to be angry. To, to be angry. If I want to be angry, I can be angry. It's a choice. But I'm trying to decide to not be angry. You know, I'm trying to, like, there's this cute girl that walked by. I'm trying to decide not to look, you know. Um, and it's okay, I guess, every once in a while. But it's all on what, what your ideal is. And right now, my, my ideal is to not allow myself to get angry and to show more kindness to people. Mm. It's an ongoing thing. So what I hear is this. This is interesting. So I heard something someone said in a podcast today. They said... It's an identity one takes on. It's a way of being one takes mm-hmm. on versus an action that one takes. So, for example, the difference between uh, oh, I don't smoke, I don't drink. Mm-hmm. That's just what I am. Mm-hmm. I'm a kind person. That's just what you are, mm-hmm. right? So, they come from the action you took. Of course, it's going to be in alignment with that identity, mm-hmm. right? Versus I'm trying to quit smoking. I'm trying to... Um, I don't know, not drink or I'm trying to not be angry. Then you're still that. You're still that angry person because you're trying. Right. Then, 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 then you're just changing the action rather than changing the how you perceive yourself. Exactly. And so what I hear is Mm -hmm. who you are as a person is you say to yourself, I don't know if this is true, but I'm a kind person. Mm -hmm. So therefore, whatever you do. You got this. You know, you know, put your hands on someone's shoulder. You pay people respect. Hey, hello. You know, good morning. It's right. like little things that I watch you do. I was like, oh my god, this guy's amazing. <laughs> I wish Thank I you, brother. Ah. I think, I think, I think that actually is a distinction. Thank at you, least brother. how I distinguish it for myself. Because I'm trying to be that kind person or more mm-hmm. generous person or or a person that would wake up and and then greet people versus I am that person. Yeah, and then, then, then of course my action would be, you know, follow that identity. Right. Is that kind of how you operate? Yeah, I because put words in your mouth, no, because sure the Bible says death and life are in the power of the tongue. I am is a very powerful statement. I am peaceful. I am kind. I am generous. Mm-hmm. I am liberated. I am enlightened. As opposed to, I'm trying to become more. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to be nice. Just do. Mm. It's like an action potential. Mm. Just do. Either it is or it isn't. 
you know and I've had that I've had that said of me to my wife actually she's like you're very black and white either you are or you aren't you know I'm getting better I am better than I was before you know <laughs> as far as that you know because I know that for in the past it's been very much like if I like somebody I like them I'll do anything for them I'll die for them but if I don't then I just kind of don't yeah good luck to you good luck to you and you know in ways I feel like that's better than someone who will act like they like someone but deep down they don't and they're doing it just for whatever I don't know why they would you know as opposed to just and so that's my thing now finding that commonality with every person finding that peace finding that harmony finding it it's there mm. it's there we just have to search for it and find it and grab onto it and be like okay this is what I so, so that's another belief mm-hmm. that you believe that you have certain things in common with anyone that you meet. Absolutely. Anyone I meet. Anyone I meet. What's interesting too is I find, I find that I get along really well with women. Mm-hmm. And I think part of it's just background. Being around, surrounded by women. I mean, my wife, my daughter was our firstborn girl. My mother. Aunties. Who have always been there for me. Um, even the two girls I went on the retreat with. Coincidentally, you know, two, two girls, two women. Um, so there's a deep respect there for, for women. There mm-hmm. really is. Um, yeah. Beautiful. Thanks for unpacking that for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> you want to try another? Uh, so we have some choices. You can do the sharper hoppe. How was that? It's like pepper in the eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It's like pepper in the eyes. Yeah, you took it like a champ. Huh? Like you took it. Like it's nothing. <laughs> Pretty strong. Yeah. How about internal state? Like physical vision or yeah. your vision vision? Physical, right now. Mm. Yeah. Beautiful. Most people are be like crying or whining about the pain. <laughs> you just took it. Yeah. Nice. Do you find that the tolerance for physical pain translates nicely to other areas in life? Yeah, I think I have a pretty high tolerance for pain. You know, pain, I think, can be felt in the form of struggle mm-hmm. in my physical. Because physical bodily ailments, I don't have many. I do have, like, neck pain. For a while there, over the summer, I was running about six miles a day, five days a week. So my Achilles tendon has some pain. Um, but I continue to just push through it where I found an alternate. I just switched up now and I'm doing uh, the stair stepper. 
that's what I do now to sort of give the Achilles a little bit of a break. Um, and I just, I fight through it because I find to have more pain when I'm static and not moving mm. than I do when I'm actually moving. Physical pain? Yes. Okay. It's almost like more creaks and pops in my knees and things. I don't know how old you are. You look like you're pretty young. I'm 40. I would have never guessed that in a million years. Yeah. I was going to guess 30s. No, thank you. 34, 32. I'm 34 and I feel a lot of the you know, they call it crepitus in the knees mm. and a pop. Um, and I just, it's worse when I don't move. That's why I think moving is really important. You know, once you get moving, moving is the, starting is the hard part, right? Inertia, starting is the hard part, but once you're actually moving, it's easier. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like anything in life. Exactly, exactly. You know, I remember when I was first going to the nursing program, everything was so foreign. Even my acting, it's been four years. November 17th is my four year anniversary. When I first started acting, and I look at my acting back then to what my acting is now, definitely a lot of improvement. Mm. You know, definitely a lot of improvement. But I think the challenge of pain, the challenge of obstacles in all forms, not just pain, but financial, I think that's what develops the integrity that one needs. You know, I'll share something with you that's very personal. When I went on this trip, I was two months behind in my mortgage, two months, but I didn't let that stop me. I was like, this is going to give me some kind of enlightenment, it's going to help me in the long run, then it's a small price to pay, you know, it's a small price to pay. Yeah. And I, interestingly enough, I came back and found a couple to, you know, rent, and they're paying about 1600 a month for a room where before I had one person paying a thousand for the room. Mm. So things are getting better because mm. I didn't give up and throw in the towel. Mm. It was hard. It was hard about um, a year and three months, May, June, July, August, September, October, November. Oh my God, 18 months ago, I had a situation at work where I was falsely accused of something I didn't do. Mm cost me my job, mm. licenses on the line, mm. and I just made the best of that year and a half that I could, focused a lot on my acting, focused a lot on training, booked a lot of different jobs, traveled to Mexico City, traveled to the Bay, San Jose, Oakland, San Francisco, just really focused on what I actually had going for myself as opposed to focusing on the fact that my main source of income is now gone. How do I pay a mortgage when I don't have a job? Well, I got creative. Mm. A friend of mine who's a physician, Dr. Bali, God bless him. Is that this thing again? Mm -hmm. Suggested that I do Airbnb. And I thought, oh, no, I can't share my space with somebody. Oh, I'm very picky and I'm OCD. And I've done it. It saved me. Mm. I made something like, I want to say, 10 grand last year doing it. But that required an obstacle, pain, a new idea, mm -hmm. a new paradigm to allow me to do this now. Mm. And I'm continuing on with it. So I went from that to the roommates and I kind of go back and forth depending on what's most lucrative. Yeah, so I hear 
this belief in yourself, belief in your vision, but also adaptability. Yes, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Because I don't know what's gonna come next. I had situations like I, my car is a Mercedes. It's a German, but you know, it's not a brand new one. So when something goes wrong with it, the last time I fixed it, it was seven thousand dollars worth of repairs. Mm-hmm. You see, but there's a deep appreciation for the car. It has sentimental value. And it also doesn't come with a car payment. Mm. And I don't see myself having another big ticket repair like that anytime soon. Yeah. You know? So on that note, in terms of people that, you know, there's a saying, we are the average of the five people that we surround ourselves with. Oh, agree with, oh. Mm. So how do you pick, why are your best friends your best friends? How do you pick your friends? It's interesting that you say that. people that surround Because I don't know that I have any best friends. Okay. It's interesting, very interesting you say that. I think that uh, I have a lot of good acquaintances. I think my friends, I think we pick our friends based off of something, a quality that we admire in them that we maybe wish we had, you know? Um, And also, again, this commonality, you know, this idea that, for example, one of my friends, girlfriends that I went on this trip with, she's been out here for 10 years still going towards the acting hasn't faded away from it she cuts hair the other one she went to USC and she's been at it now probably graduated for probably another three years so maybe nine years I expect a lot to happen in nine years I'm just hitting my fourth year I expect a hell of a lot to happen you know in that time Um, so I'm kind of with them to give them a source of hope and inspiration and a new breath of fresh air I think is what I bring to them mm-hmm. and what they bring to me is the wisdom and knowledge that they've already gained in that nine or ten years mm-hmm. so it's a give give mm-hmm. I think that again being in your being out of your comfort zone goes with finding actors who are far far greater than mm-hmm. I am as far as craft mm-hmm. I have a friend now Samuel TV he's been in movies with Nicolas Cage Bruce Willis and he's a friend. Um, and I think I give him, again, this inspiration, this exhilaration of he wakes up, he goes to the gym, and he goes home, and he tapes, and he goes to auditions, and he does self-tapes, and he reads books, and he's just... I think I give him that source of, like, it's, it's a wave that I think people want to ride. Mm. And then also I'm getting what I can from them, mm. you know, as well. Mm. It's fire. Yeah, that fire in my belly that's just burning that people are just seeing, like, you know. And I think that's why things like prayer, meditation, they all go hand in hand because you have to see it in here first. See it in here first. Like, from time to time, I have this vision of myself at my mansion in Hidden Hills, 25-220 Walker Road, and I've got all of my family members there, and my mom, and my dad, and my aunties, and they're all there, and they're like, and I'm just weeping, and I'm just crying, and they're like, why are you crying? And I'm like, you know, I wanted this so bad. I worked, and when there was doubt, and when there was hesitation, like, I just kept pushing, and I just kept walking, and I kept pushing. Another thing the Bible says is walk by faith, not by sight. I have to picture my Rolls Royce. I have to picture a happy family. I have to picture my kids going to Round Meadow Elementary School, going to Arthur E. Wright Middle School, going to, you know, Stanford, Harvard, Carnegie Mellon. I have to picture my daughter standing up there 
and dedicating her speech to her dad and saying, I'm here because my dad taught me how to push. My dad taught me that if I believed in myself and if I worked hard, that anything was possible. You know, I'm here because my brother has said to me in the past, when I'm around my brother, he makes me feel like anything in life is possible. You know, that source of encouragement, I think is what I wanna be able to give to people, you know? Because I do <laughs> love the fact that I, that I can make people like, I can lift people up, mm. you know? And I think that's what is sometimes missing in, in, in the idea of religion. I think because there's all these, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And that's not what it's about. It's about love. It's about acceptance. Jesus walked with people who were prostitutes. Jesus walked with people who were murderers. I mean, Paul, before he became Paul, he was Saul of Tarsus or something like that. Saul, but he would go after Christians and kill them. Mm -hmm. And then he found God and his life changed and he became a lover of man. You know, and I'm still working on my transformation of becoming a lover of man. Of, of, of just accepting everybody, you know, of being as generous as I possibly can. Also, too, you got to be careful not to give from the empty well, right? They say you can't give. So obviously I have to make sure that I'm building and then I give back. And I continue to build and I give back to bring them up. But I can't give, they rise, give, they rise, and I'm dwindling down. Right. So it's, it's a balance. It's a balancing thing, mm. you know. So one of the things that I'm up to is uh, my friend Ross and I, we are really committed to elevate human consciousness and alleviate suffering, human suffering. Right. If you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs as a mental model. Yes, I'm familiar. Yeah. There's uh, physiology, you know, giving people food, water, right? Shelters. Right, shelter is security, like mm -hmm. psychological safety, mm -hmm. and then a love and connection, right? Giving people that, like, hey, you can do this yeah. right? as a human connection. And then there is, but the higher you go, the more elusive it is. The more what? Elusive. How do you measure that? You, you What's can, elusive? What specifically is elusive? So, for example, go? the higher of the Maslow's hierarchy of, need, of needs, because mm -hmm. the higher, the, the next level up would be, uh, what they call it, um, like, uh, Feeling that they can't, I can't remember, that was the fourth level, I can't forget, I can't remember. Oh gosh, I'd have to look it up. Yeah. Anyways, and the last level is self-actualization, right? And the next level after after that is self-transcendence. I feel like it, it's a lifelong journey, man. It is. It's a lifelong journey. I don't feel like anybody ever really truly reaches there. Of course. It's like how you have great actors and they feel like there's more, there's more, there's more. And I think that's healthy. I don't feel like any one person should say, oh, I know it all, I got it all. I think there's a story of, um, oh gosh, Sir Lawrence Olivier did this amazing performance. And when he was done, he went and trashed his dressing room, trashed it, threw things around. Somebody went in there and said, well, what, what, what's going on? You just had this amazing performance. Why are you upset? And he said, that's the thing. I just had this amazing performance and I don't know how I did it. He wanted to be able to replicate that. Uh. Great performance, great actor, did it once, wants to be able to do it again. There's nothing wrong with not wanting, not being fully actualized, realized, mm -hmm. transcendence. Mm -hmm. 
It's always the working. And I think that's where the joy has to come from. The ch- like the, the chasing. It's like you have to enjoy the chase, mm. the hunt, just as much as you actually enjoy the kill. Mm. You know? Mm. So then how do you teach people that? Right? Just going back to the very beginning. Right? Mm-hmm. Human suffering is hopelessness. It is that nothing I do will make a difference. I won't have that thing that I was chasing or have this thing that I don't want anymore. So maybe this is a good time for us to talk about specific tactics. Because mm-hmm. right? one of the intentions that I have is not only people are inspired by people's narrative, by their stories, mm-hmm. but also they can take something on, try it out for themselves. Right. So given that you are a student of life, right. you're a master of curiosity and empathy, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and a master of operating from your heart, fantastic friend, what advice would you give? Tactical advice or disciplines? If someone wants to try on to be more empathetic, to be more curious, to operate more from the heart, what would you recommend? I think one has to look at legacy when it's all said and done. What do you want to be said about you? Imagine for a second you're at your own eulogy, Mm. your own funeral, your own burial, and people are speaking about you. What is it that you want these people to say about you? Your loved ones, your friends. Mm. And strive for that. Mm. Strive for those statements. That's always a good test, right? When it comes to any major life decisions, should I do this or shouldn't I do this? Mm-hmm. Right? And if you just think about, well, if I'm on the last few breaths of my life, mm-hmm. looking back, what, what would I have chosen? Right? That's the ultimate test. Right. Because in life, I've taken care of patients who are on hospice. Hospice is a form of healthcare where people are kind of ushered towards you know death towards the end with medicines with sometimes it's music with just a bunch of different things and um, people never ever regret what they did they always regret what they didn't do they always regret what they didn't try I wish I would have tried this in my discussions with them 10 out of 10 they're like well I wish I would have do you regret doing anything no I regret the things I didn't do. I regret the things I didn't try. Which is why I'm pursuing my acting like crazy. And by the way, quick plug, my webpage, my, my webpage is salusase.com. Spell it. It's uh, S-A-L-L-I-E-U-S-E-S-A-Y.com. Beautiful. Salusase.com. You're welcome. Uh, you know, we just have to kind of look at that. What what's going to be said about me and then and then I segued into saying that um, oh gosh my train of thought just went I was saying that what it is that we want to be said about us and it's why I do my acting because I talked about hospice and I talked about regret I don't want to live my life with any regret 
regretting the fact that I did not go after something. Especially when it's something that's just singular and it's about you and you want something specific, you have to try it. Because you're never going to know unless you try. You have to try. Yeah. So what would be something tactical or as a, as a discipline that they can take on? I think try to do as many new experiences as possible. Mm. Have friends from all different walks of life. Mm. Growing up, I tell you, some of my best friends were Cambodian and Thai, Chinese. Uh, I've now had friends that are Indian, friends that are Punjabi, uh, Sri Lankan, um, Gujarati. I have friends that are black, black American. I have friends that are white. Because I want to try to experience as much as I can. Mm. So we can draw your own conclusions. Mm. So life experiences, that's where it's really at, those memories. I mean, I'll forever have a bond with you, CK, because you and I went through something together. Mm. And we were there for full two full days. You know, and I heard some things that you said that I thought, wow. Okay, I'm not the only one that's plagued by this. Mm. Or I'm not the only one that has the same notion, the same idea, the same thought. He does mm. too. Mm. Um, <laughs> but we also got to share that experience with a bunch of other people and together, collectively, but then together as a, as a pair, you and me, we got to listen to other people's things and then relate individually and mm. together mm. to that one person or to the group as a whole, collectively. So it's finding that time to just to bond with people. Even this lady here who says we're disrupting her, or it's not a matter of disrespect. It's just more of we have to find a way to be here together. Mm. We will try to compromise and do what we can, but it doesn't mean that we should be removed. Mm. You know, uh, yeah, compromise is important, I believe. Mm. I really sense um, that you are a lover of our humanity, a humanist. I, I think I'm becoming more so, more so, because I've had some experiences where I've almost been in that position where it's like, this is it, this is it. And I don't want to carry any burdens, burdens with me, mm -hmm. any regrets with me. This is it as in like moment where you're staring death in the face? Yeah, mm -hmm. when you have that this is it moment, I think the last thing you want is to be fighting demons mm. based on past transgressions. Mm. I think that thing too that's important is forgiveness. Yeah, we can forgive other people, but it's important that we forgive ourselves. Mm. It's important that we forgive ourselves too for things that we might have said or done in the past. Mm. You know, so we're not carrying around guilt. Guilt is another thing that's very heavy. Mm. Great guilt, regret, mm. and forgiveness. I think those things can be very heavy. Such a beautiful experience as a nurse actually helping people in transition mm -hmm. right going through death yeah helping them look at themselves take care Stacy mm -hmm. look at themselves um, you know at their last moments mm -hmm. and uh, what a rich experience to draw inspiration from for your acting oh yeah oh yeah I once had a woman whose father was dying and um, oh gosh I had to leave the room because as a father myself who has a daughter, I saw how distraught she was. I just saw her go there and just lay her head on her father's chest and she's just like, Daddy. And it was the most devastating thing for her 
but it was also one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. Mm. For someone to just have complete disregard of what's going on around and to just give all the attention to one person and she just laid her head on her dad's chest and she just wept and she just cried for her dad. Mm. And I thought, oh my God, what a beautiful way to go. there's any way to go as a parent you want to go with your children or your child's head on your chest mm. you know yeah and I just left the room because it was a lot for me mm. and I could imagine it was obviously a lot for her that was one of the most beautiful experiences, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I was very moved. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I can't, I don't have any children right now, but yeah. I can only imagine, like, leaving this world knowing that I have no regrets. Ah. Knowing that I have forgiven myself. I yes. love myself, my past, my present, my future. And also, more importantly, knowing that my children are not taken care of, they're self-sufficient, yes, they're yes. strong, they can, you know, make the difference that they want to make, and then that, to me, is the most peaceful way to, to die, and because you, what, as you said, the regrets, the guilt, you know, you don't want to carry it's all that with business. You. Yeah, that, that's the painful stuff. It's, it's that suffering, right? It's, right. It's, it's, it's the, the, the lack of letting go of the past. Yeah, you don't feel like you can because it's unfinished business. Things aren't done yet. Yeah. Hence, hence the importance of when we're talking about this, this kind of work, it's, uh, it's complex, it's difficult. It's not like handing someone a hamburger. Right. It's, right. If it's no. only that easy, I will be handing out hamburgers all day. Not a problem. Right. Now, when you say this kind of work, are you talking about yours and in the interview process? Because it is difficult. No, I, I meant navigating one's internal state mm-hmm. and letting go of things that don't serve them. Yes. Oh, like the yeah. meditation retreat, similar. Like really dig deep and like let go of things that don't serve us. Mm-hmm. Not only have recognition of our humanity but also bring that love and joy such that it's not like, oh, let me uh, escape from this, avoid this, mm-hmm. but also just bring that space that encompasses all of it and just love every bits of it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. The highest of the highs and the lowest of the lows. I mean, all of it, right? And then that's to me, is when I'm truly peaceful, I'm at that space. Mm-hmm. When I notice myself out of this, out, you know, out of peace, starting to have like nervous tics or whatever, that's when I'm like either in the past or in the future. I'm no longer present. Uh, agreed. 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 You're looking at things that you can't change. You're looking at things ahead that aren't even, haven't even happened. Right. Fear. False expectations appearing real. Right. That not in this moment. I'm no longer in this moment. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. 100%. So, Salu, I want to really acknowledge you for 
the space you bring to this conversation. I so appreciate your presence. I so appreciate that the, the you know your your experience as a nurse, as an actor, how you navigated your internal, you know, emotions, operating from your heart, forgiving you. your father, how you interacted with, you know, our neighbor, uh, <laughs> in a way, in a way that, in a way that brings such a. You're grounded in your power. At the same time, you respected her wish, mm-hmm. right? And that was a just a, a test, really, to me, right? How you can still have kindness, mm-hmm. but stand in your power versus being a pushover. Because right. one of the things that's easy to do is I want to have empathy for everyone. Therefore, anyone can push me over. No. Right. No, and you can't allow that. There's a strength in, like you said, standing your ground, but being respectful yeah. in doing so. And I think that's what you and I did with this situation here, because I think there's a part of everyone that was that that could have easily told her, "Shut up, bitch." <laughs> bitch, shut up, old ass bitch. Right. There's a part of us that could have easily just, and then it could have been an argument. What? Not. Nah, then maybe she could have called. Maybe this man here walking with his walkie-talkie would have just coincidentally been walking by at the time and it could have been a huge issue what if I would have what if we would have ran into her again uh, what if you and I go out to lunch after this and we run into her then it's, there's a feeling of oh, what's going to happen a suspense fight or flight mm-hmm. now that we've she smiled at us when she left because mm-hmm. she knew that we came from a place of we were here first mm-hmm. we were here first mm-hmm. and like I told her <laughs> You got to know the rules in order to break them. I didn't know the rules, so she told me the rules. Well, we have to continue with what our assignment is here. We came to do something, a job, and we're going to finish that job mm-hmm. with no disrespect to you. And it worked out fine. Mm-hmm. We lowered our voices a bit. She maybe concentrated a little bit harder on what she was trying to get. And everybody wins. And you're absolutely right. You cannot be a pushover. But not being a pushover does not necessarily mean being mean. Mm-hmm. Finding that medium, like we talked about the spectrum right mm-hmm. um, it was curiosity and uh, empathy Empathy. we talked about the empathy being on a spectrum same thing with this situation it's just on a spectrum we just got to meet somewhere in the middle again that word compromise mm. we just met her in the middle man yeah. and we can walk away from this situation from this day from this area feeling like we didn't cause any trouble right. I didn't cause any trouble you didn't cause any trouble we compromised mm. it's all yeah, you brought a lot. Thank you so much for bringing everything. You it's got. my pleasure, man. Thank, Thank you. you, please. And if you ever need me again, man, I'm more than happy to interview. Yeah. Um, so, God com- willing, the next one will be when you know maybe a series regular on a TV show, and I come back, and then yeah. after that, I'm in film, and then That'll I come back, and then God willing. Yeah, God willing. There's know. a uh, in in Muslim. There's a there's a phrase that they always say. It's almost like thank you. The translation is God willing. Mm-hmm. Is um, uh, Inshallah. 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 Yeah. In God we trust. Yeah. Inshallah. If God wills, Inshallah. Yeah, God's will. Inshallah. Yeah. Love that. Easy to do, right? So. <laughs> it's uh, so true, man. It's so true. It's easy to do, but uh, it doesn't develop anything in us. It's easy to do. It's a very flippant thing to do. Right. There's no challenge there for us, and if there's no challenge, there's no growth. Yeah, that's how we build muscle in the gym, right? The resistance of the weight, you know, the resistance to gravity going up that stair stepper. Yeah. So yeah. 
So thank you so much. Really hey, appreciate it, brother. My pleasure, man. My pleasure.